Welcome to another episode of the Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast. Today we have some exciting uh, group of people with us today. We have Mr. Alec Pickett and Miss Matisse Pickett. They are the daughter and son of a breast cancer survivor, Miss Aberstine Johnson Pickett. So today we're going to just dive into a little bit of a discussion with what it is like uh, to be a child of a breast cancer survivor and what impact did that have on their lives as well. So Alec and Matisse, would you just tell us a little bit about yourselves so the audience can um, know who you are? Hi, I'm Alec Pickett. I am a junior at Clinton High School and I am 17 years old. I am Matisse Pickett. I attend Clinton Junior High School as an eighth grader and I am 14 years old. Now, my co-host, as you all know, Miss Molly May, um, is the beauty queen. Um, so she was the second runner-up of Miss Mississippi and also an author of her own book, My Crowning Achievement. And so Molly knows firsthand how uh, impactful breast cancer is, being that her mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and she later was diagnosed with breast cancer. So also welcome my co-host, Molly May. Thank you, Miss Catherine. It's always a pleasure being here. And now, last but not least, uh, our uh, mother of the um, two young adults that we are interviewing today um, is breast cancer survivor Miss Aberstein Johnson Pickett. So, Miss Pickett, you want to tell us a little bit about just briefly about your journey? Hello, I'm Aberstein Johnson Pickett. Uh, my journey started um, two and a half years ago. Uh, I actually had my mammograms for seven years. And in 2017, I was actually diagnosed. It was a surprise because I thought that I was doing what you've heard before, get your mammogram every year. It was kind of disappointing, but I had experienced uh, with a friend who had gone through breast cancer. So I did have a reference as far as doctors, as far as oncologists. Uh, but the difficult part was really, how do I tell my children that their mother had breast cancer? And let me reference that I had just moved um, back to the Clinton area. Uh, my husband and I separated. We separated in August and the end of August of 2017, I was diagnosed. So my children had already gone through so much with the separation. And then I had to turn around and tell them that your mother have um, breast cancer. Um, my son took it kind of hard. Uh, both of them were seem as if they're in shock. I took them to the living room and we talked about it. And I talked about the treatment options. Uh, but they were very, very supportive. Um, I have wonderful kids. They do an excellent job taking care of their mother. So Alec and Matisse, uh, just share with our audience, how do you feel? How did you feel when you found out your mom was diagnosed with breast cancer? I knew that I had to be there for her because something she couldn't do by herself. So she needed me to, well, I was her cook. Yeah. <laughs> and she needed me to probably pick up things for her and take care of her when she was in treatment. And um, For me, when I found out, I was pretty shocked for the most part. It's, it's very shocking when you find out that your mother has breast cancer because you just think that she's this invincible person and nothing can happen to her or she'll live forever and she won't go through pain. So when you find out that your mom has breast cancer, it's pretty shocking and it gets emotional for a second. But 
I knew that my mom is, will will need us, and with her being separated from my father, that we're her, that we're gonna be there for her, and we're the ones that live with her, and we'll be able, we'll have to do things for her. So it's pretty shocking. It's very emotional, but at the same time, it's a it's a it's an awakening. It's something that you have to do. It's basically a duty and a responsibility that's given to you. It's not something that you choose. So you just have to pick it up um, when you find out. I remember uh, when my mom was diagnosed, I was eight. So I was much younger than y'all when this happened. Um, But I remember when I, there were days when I was so scared, I would wake up in the morning and I would start crying and not want to go to school that day because I was convinced that my mom was going to die while I was at school. And then I wouldn't be able to see her again. So my mom, even bald, would come and eat lunch with me on the days that I would wake up crying. And um, what was really hard for me at school was the one and only fight I have ever been in in my entire life was in the fourth grade. And um, my mom had come to eat lunch with me that day, bald. And a kid on the playground right after lunch had made fun that she didn't have any hair. And I broke his nose and we got sent to the principal's office and I didn't get in any trouble, which is really great. I don't condone violence. Please don't get into a fight. But um, it was really hard for me because I was the only kid in my school whose parent was going through something like that. Um, And I was the only one that understood it. Um, And it was just a bunch of emotion that I didn't have a friend that I could turn to and talk to. So do you have any kind of experience like that when you were in school um, and talking and reaching out to your friends as well? One day I told my, while well, went to school crying, and I told my teacher that I was going through a lot and that my mom was having breast cancer, and my teacher was very there for me. She helped me and talked to me. And the other teacher I had, she actually um, gave my mom a gift with a red rope. So, for me, back in middle school, I had a friend that his dad had cancer it wasn't the it wasn't breast cancer but all cancer in some way affects people um kind of the same way Mm -hmm. and his dad actually passed away from it Mm -hmm. um we were in the eighth grade when it happened and he was and i reached out to him because i moved back with my dad to go to my old school and that's where he attended as well and we talked a little bit about it and just what to do and how to cope emotionally so i had at least one person um, to come to when it came to that. That's a blessing. It is, and I think, um, you know, emotions uh, and fear is real. It's not only real for the person that's going through, but it's also surreal for the people that it impacts. So um, embracing our emotion and allowing um, the healing process um, to to take place and not be afraid to um, share those moments um, with each other is also, I I think, is, is critical in the healing process. Um, so what do you have to do to help your mom? Some of the fun things that you all had to do and then some of maybe some of the crazy things. Because a lot of people, when you, when you uh, people think about breast cancer, um, there it, it is an abundance of what um, someone who has not gone through. Um, but for those that have gone through, it is an abundance of stuff that have to take place. So how are you that assistant or that caregiver for your mom? Well, for me, I like to be the comedic relief at times. <laughs> I like to make jokes about stuff. So 
there were times we would just make jokes about the stuff that she would do or the wigs that she would wear. Um, oh, for the most part, it was just the jokes that, um, cause you know, during times they're gonna, they're gonna be the comedic relief, um, in horror movies when you're scared, there's comedic relief. So of course you have to be that time where you will laugh just to forget about, um, the stuff that's going on. So basically I would just make jokes. I can't, I can't cook like my sister can. So that's probably the only thing I brought to the table. Oh, and lifting things. Lifting things. I cooked for her. I, when she would go to sleep without taking her medicine, I bring her little medicine bag in there. And actually, one time, she took a pill that wasn't her tamoxifen, and she literally spit it out and said, "Where's my tamoxifen?" <laughs> so yeah. Um, I uh, something that is um, on the flip side of like, th- I mean, there's there can be beautiful parts in the middle um, of a tragedy, kind of like stained glass windows are stunning things, but they're made up of broken pieces of glass, right? But they're gorgeous things, and gorgeous things can come from broken pieces. Um, But in order to get that beautiful thing, you have to have a broken piece. And um, I think one of the the hardest things about, for personally, going through this was um, you get constantly told you're, you're so mature for your age, right? You're, you're grow, you grew up so fast. What happened? And it's one of those things where you say, thank you so much. Like, I appreciate that you noticed my maturity. However, um, I matured for my age because I didn't have a choice <laughs> but to mature for my age. Um, so did, tell me about a little bit about that. Did that affect you in any way? Do you feel like this, this pushed you to grow, um, grow up in ways that you weren't, you didn't expect to grow up so quickly or at the time being. So with your parents having breast cancer, one thing you don't want to do is put stress on them and put situations that you can handle yourself. So basically you had to do things by yourself because you didn't want to put pressure and stress on your mom, which my mom, and well, that's amazing. Yes, uh, you know, because um, you know, even in that, you see the um, the adult um, or the growing process um, for for you at that particular point. And so, I mean, that's that's really amazing. So we're gonna shift just a little bit to Miss Averstein and let her um, take the helm. So, um, when something threatens your family, your life, um, and in your instance, it's to protect your family especially your children. You want to protect them from hearing bad news, the word see, and preserve their innocence. So, Ms. Aberstein, um, just share with us, what was the uh, the mechanism that you used, or uh, uh, how did you embrace, um, you know, and what did you feel when, when you actually needed to tell your children that um, I have breast cancer? Because of the situation that we had actually moved uh, back into my rental property, I thought to myself, this is something else I have to tell them. How are they going to be able to deal with the separation and also the the breast cancer? Mm -hmm. Um, So when I sit them down, um, I explain to them uh, things about treatment improvements. Um, I talk to them about, you know, the process of, you know, exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, at that time, I I asked them and I asked myself, let's take a positive stand. Those things that I use to stay positive, uh, happy thoughts, uh, keep going, 
all those things they saw in me. So in return, they were able to keep going. Uh, they were able to see me continue to go to work, continue to wear my heels, uh, continue to wear my wigs, because uh, I had a dynamic wig. You didn't know that it was not my hair. But um, so the comic relief that they both talked about was actually um, they had to, to actually school me on wearing a wig. I had never <laughs> worn a wig before, so I didn't know that you don't adjust it. You don't put it up to, to scratch your head. So they would tell me around their friends, Mama, you don't do that. You don't supposed to do that. So they really educated me on how to wear my wig and when not to scratch my head and when not to move it to the side and, and just adjust it. Um, so I learned a lot from them regarding that. So we had a lot of uh comic relief you would not believe some of the things that happened one side effect I had it was it was amazing how they took it and they helped me even my son being being a male actually helped me in certain areas that you know normally a child as a boy does not help you but this is what we had to do they the, he had to take the, the the rim also when my daughter was not there uh, my daughter one time I was having this particular symptoms and she was helping me and I said I called her name and I said, Matisse. And she told me later, she said, Mama, I waited like, oh, my, here she goes again. So it was just um, interesting. My children are very mature for their age. And I have to say, they were the best. They really, really were the best. And all those laughs that we had, um, they were they were wonderful. I had to talk to my son about me being bald uh, because he actually um, – didn't want to see me bald. So I couldn't walk around the house with being bald. I had to put on something on my head or I have to wear my, my wig. And like my daughter said, the beautiful wigs I had was actually, uh, they were actually her suggestion, Mama, get this wig. And I have to say she did an excellent job with deciding which wigs I was going to wear because Aberstein had it going on with those particular wigs. <laughs> and I tell you, um, we really became closer because of this particular situation and we became closer as a family and I have to say I have a wonderful relationship with both of my kids we laugh we joke they can talk to me about anything so I know that they are there for me and we just enjoy each other and the laughter that we share finding the good in you know a seemingly tough situation mm -hmm. absolutely um, I think it's imperative that you find those 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 little, the shining moments and that, um, it's definitely, it's something that brings you closer to your parents. Um, I know that it taught me a lot. Something I learned from watching my mom was the strength that she had, um, in doing all of it and, um, what it meant to have grace, um, under pressure and grace when faced with a life or death decision. Um, it taught me that sometimes the only option is to just do it. Like that is, you just do it when you need to. Um, so in reference to that, um, when it comes to looking at women within the breast cancer, uh, women within the breast cancer survivor community, um, how do you view your mom? Because I know how I look at, at my mom after watching her go through her journey. How do you look at yours? She's a superhero. Um, and, you know, like not the cape or anything, but to keep a leveled head to keep the um house going to keep us going and to still have to go through chemo have to go through darkened nails um laxative things like that like the things that she had to go through and the obstacles 
and still being able to keep up with us is amazing. Um, not many people can do it, so I'm happy to say that my mom and other breast cancer survivors and other cancer survivors can do it as well. I watch other people that have breast cancer and how they were impacted by breast cancer and they were worse symptoms than my mom and I'm really blessed that she only had really this one symptom that was really bad and it didn't take a huge turn on her. You know, um, I shared in my um, my podcast with Miss um, Dykes and Faith and Reason um, and I just love the way um, you all say your mother is your superhero um, because a lot of times, um, you know, our moms are so much the nurturer of the family. Mm-hmm. We tend to take care of everybody, um, our immediate family, extended family, before we really generally take care of ourselves. And I can see that sitting here with you all, the love and compassion um, that you have for your mom and even with uh, each other. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing to, to have a mother uh, when you can look at her and you can see um, the strength you can see the perseverance you can see the determination and you can see that light at the end of the tunnel and I shared before my mom uh, too is my my superhero and when you have a mom that you can look at and, and not have to look at you know other people outside you know of your immediate circle uh, oftentimes young people you know tend to look for you know those celebrities those you know stars and, and nothing is wrong with that. But when you have someone right in your inner circle that's guiding your path, it is truly um, an amazing thing. And Miss Averstein, I can say you you do have some wonderful kids just by sitting here and conversating with them and the love that they have for you. And uh, when, when children often you know look at you know a parents, they're they're looking at that person as the um the healer um the person that carries the family over and you have carried your mother um and bridged the gap and you were in there uh, for her in between so you carried her in at the times that she needed you the most and i commend you all for that for a job well done yes ma'am breast cancer is hard on any person that it's affected. Um, no matter what, no matter the degree, it's it's going to take a toll in, in one way or another. But and everyone commends survivors, um, victims for for what they go through because they deserve it. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but um, but sometimes caretakers are are overlooked in a sense, especially when they're the child. Um, that's affected of it because when we think of children, you know, we think of, oh, are they going to be okay? You know, or are they going to be able to emotionally handle it? Um, but no one ever thinks of the child, the child, and as the caregiver, or is looking them, looking at them as synonymous or one and the same. Um, and I think that it is such a testament not only to the strength that you two have had in helping your mother get through this, because I don't, I don't think you're going to understand just just what you did until as you grow older. Um, but it also is a testament to you um, and to the mother that you are because you raised children to be able to handle this when it did come at them. Um, because it hit 
it hits a family. It doesn't hit just the person that's physically affected. So good job, mom. Good job, mama, for that one. Um, and speaking of moms, um, uh, so when so now that you've gone through all of this and you're still only two and a half years out, so this isn't necessarily a, a conversation that has to be had, um, especially since Matisse is still, um, you're in eighth grade, you're just a BB. Um, but um, this could be a conversation that could come up in the future and, and something that you should look out for now that you definitely have a family history um, of breast cancer in your family now that your mother has been affected, which is why I started getting tested when I was 18, right? So... Um, how do you think that you'll approach that when the time comes? Well, we've actually already had the conversation. Wonderful. Actually, Matt, she started the conversation. She said, Mama, she said, I know you have breast cancer. I know already that I'm going to have to get tested earlier than usual. So um, she was very aware. Uh, they've been to different conferences with me. They know breast cancer information. They've been part of every project that I have done regarding breast cancer. But it was actually my daughter who said to me, Mommy, I know that I am actually going to have to get tested earlier. And the fact that I did not know that breast cancer was in my family. When I was diagnosed, uh, before I was diagnosed, uh, they called me back. And I called my two sisters because my parents are deceased. And I said to them, you're sure breast cancer is not in the family on my mother's side? And my sister said, no, it is not. I said, well, let me call my father, only living relative mm. in Indianola, Mississippi, who was 100 years old. Ooh. I called my aunt and I said, aunt, I have a question to ask you. I said, is breast cancer on my daddy's side? She said, yes, baby, it is. Mm. Believe it or not, I said to myself, when I go back, I will. There's a probability that I'll be diagnosed with breast cancer. But let me say this, that mind controls you. Mm. Keep that mind as positive if you can what I have done is I'm paying it forward. At this particular time, I am assisting two women. I am their support system. I am telling them what I did when I had to have bilateral mastectomy. Mm-hmm. I am sharing the information. Don't keep it. Give it. Bring it forth so they know that if there's a problem, they can actually call me any day, any time. And I have told them that. And these are older women who... One, have no symptoms at all, didn't have any symptoms, no family history, but we have to pay it forward. We have to be there. Anybody can call me and anybody can email me. I will be there for you because I know my children, they were there for me. And how dare me not pay it forward? Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And, And I think one of the key things that you really brought out was that, um, sharing of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, especially in, in certain cultures, we're not used to uh, sharing information. Stuff is always private. Um, you, you don't share that within the family or you don't share that outside of the family. But uh, breast cancer knows no boundaries. And the more we are able to share our experience, um, and that is one of the reasons why um, this podcast was developed was to share abroad the knowledge and the wisdom of, of those that uh, care for breast cancer patients and also those breast cancer patients that have firsthand experience. So I encourage, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you are a breast cancer survivor and is adamant about sharing your story, um, I encourage you 
to share your story. Yeah, Allow it. somebody else to listen to and understand what you have gone through and how that impact you. And in turn, that will help them as they journey through the process as well. Also, you brought up knowing your family history, mm. which is one of a very, very important um, tool that we have. That's my thing. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, we know the BRCA1 and, and BRCA2 was developed um, to look at those gene mutations and to give a risk factor of those people that will likely develop um, breast cancer. So knowing your family history is so vital for your physician to make an accurate diagnosis or to predict your risk. So again, if you don't know your family history, I encourage you to you know do like Miss Aberstein, um, check some of the older and talk to some of the older people in your family and just, um, just bring up the conversation and ask them again about their family history. That's also a wonderful thing that I, another another testament to you, a wonderful thing that you've now instilled in your children because the um, only reason I knew about this story was because Matisse got up and spoke about it. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what that's been like? How What has it been like to, to go either speaking to your church or speaking at uh, Susan G. Komen events or other breast cancer events and telling your story um, and telling your mom's story? What's that been like? It gives people the perspective of a child's view. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't really know that because children don't really speak about it. Mm -hmm. And people have come up to me after I spoke, and um, they say, I'm glad that you spoke about it because they, their mother went through breast cancer and how they were impacted by their mother mm -hmm. that went through breast cancer. And people don't really know that because, like I said, children don't really speak about it. Awesome. So as we're getting ready to um, close out our segment, um, just one last um, question, if we could, or maybe two. We never never can tell about us. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to other children um, who just have heard the words that their mom or, or their grandmother or aunt has been diagnosed with breast cancer? Uh, what advice would you give them? Or any type of cancer. Or any yeah. type of cancer, correct. One is emotional support. Um, talk to somebody. You can either talk to your friends. You can talk to your mom that was diagnosed or whoever was diagnosed. Um, you can write it down. Just some way of an outlet for your emotions. Um, the second is to to look up on it. Your mom doesn't have to be the only person that does research. You need to know. You need to know what's going on as well. Like mm. when your um, mom having surgery, she's like, okay, well, she's getting her breast removed. She's gonna have reconstruction. Like you need to know everything about that too. And the third thing is be on top of your game as well. You need to keep yourself maintained because your mom can't do everything for you. So you're just gonna have to keep it um, going. And the next thing is just don't give up because at the end of the day, she's all you got and she's all you got. So you have to keep on pushing. I would say be strong, be prepared, and be mature. One thing I am very blessed is that my two parents grew my mom and my brother and I up very well. It's like they prepared us for this. Because we were already ironing our clothes, washing our clothes, doing stuff for ourselves, and that was just what we already did. So when my mom had breast cancer, we were already doing that. Okay. We love home training. Good <laughs> job, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> they they are they are wonderful kids. Um, 
really. They we're older parents. We we had them when we were older, um, so uh, they know responsibility. And I have to say that when they leave to go on a trip or when they leave to do something related to school, I know these two will have their game. They're going to be mature about it. They are very well-spoken, and they really take responsibility. And so I'm happy to say that when I had breast cancer, I didn't realize I was preparing them for that. But the cooking, the cleaning, and coming in the room, taking care of me, taking my meds, they know if I go to sleep without getting, if they have not seen me take my meds, they know to wake me up, and they know to give me that tamoxifen. So if it, it, so, my daughter learned when I didn't feel that tamoxifen in my mouth, I spit it right out, and I said, I need my tamoxifen first. And the reason I say that is I need my tamoxifen first is because in my situation, my breast cancer called a lot of chemo brain that I would literally, somebody say something to me and I would forget. Even to this point now, they have to text me reminders because I can't keep it up. Uh, but so I know if I take the tamoxifen first, it's been taken. And so that's the reason they know to give that to me first okay. so that I that I've, I make sure I take my tamoxifen. We love a routine. I know. We, we've had a, a wonderful episode today. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So um, we are so delighted to have our guests with us, um, have them with us today and so you have been listening to the Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast um, sponsored by the D.O. Dykes Junior Foundation Producers of Faith and Reason to learn more about Susan G. Coleman you can find us on the web at www.colemanmemphismms.org that's www.k-o-m-e-n-m-e-m-p-h-i-s-m-s.org that's